Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co-founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co-founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig. Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, and thank you for joining us today, however you may be listening, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or through any of the podcast platforms. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Pete Newbig, and today my guest is Errol Allen with EA Consulting. So, internationally known operation consultant, speaker, author, and customer service expert, Errol Allen provides practical advice and solutions garnered from over 25 years of hands-on experience. He assists his clients by facilitating interdepartmental process improvement projects to ensure efficient service delivery to both internal and external customers. Errol's a hands-on consultant. He takes an active role with his clients from riding along with field personnel to spending time with customer service personnel as they take customer calls. He maps out his clients' work processes and creates procedure manuals. He also helps with identifying customer-centered key performance indicators and the internal processes that impact indicator results. It's a mouthful. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually out of breath just reading that stuff. So before we get to to Errol, I be, you know I, I want to say a little story that I have. Like so, Errol was one of the first consultants that I actually hired at Empire Industries. And he was the, well, we were the first property management company that Errol worked with. And if you know anything about my personality and Steve Rosenberg's, my old business partner's personality, we couldn't be any more different. And Errol had the, the task of bringing both of us into a room and actually like, he was like the uh, marriage counselor slash moderator slash referee to the point where I remember he used to throw, he used to get napkins and, and throw them up in the air and like call like personal fouls on us. Like 15 yards, Newbig, 15 yards, Rosenberg. So to say that he is hands-on, incredibly hands-on, our business was much better for having him on it. So I'm excited to, uh, to get, into the, get into the nuts and bolts uh, of what Errol does and how he helps his clients. But first, we have our hot topic. It's time for the hot topic. Hot topic. So my my hot topic today is we're going to talk about business consulting or business coaches. And I know there's a few people out there that are very noisy on Facebook. You know, you are. They, they, They don't believe in business coaching. And so obviously, I'm a big proponent of business coaching. I had a business coach for many years when I first started Empire, and then we hired many consultants that come in, like Errol at Empire, to help improve our processes, our overall business, or even just our mindset. And I'm a big fan of having a business coach that at least has some structure and has like an end result, right? But I am a uh, three-time, I don't know if you know this, Errol, but I'm a three-time Ironman finisher i do know that yes okay so i'm a three-time ironman finisher i've finished about 18 marathons i've lost counts i've done a bunch of marathons i've qualified for boston twice and so the reason why i'm saying this though is because in each one of those instances i hired a coach and so can i do a marathon or an ironman without a coach and the answer is yes you can but by having a coach that has a plan that's scheduled for you you are allowed to make a lot of shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And so what coaching does is one, it gives you like a plan already, right? So you don't have to think of the plan. Like I didn't have to wake up and say, do I feel like swimming, running, biking, lifting? What do I feel like doing today? The plan was there. I just had to execute the plan. And by executing the plan, my first Ironman triathlon, I finished in 11 hours and 20 minutes. And mm. so, so if you anybody knows anything, like 12 hours is kind of the number. That's a good number. So anything under 12 hours is pretty good. Now, would I, would I have accomplished 11 hours and 20 minutes on my first Ironman without a coach? And the chance, the, the chance of that are probably absolutely no. 
right? Because I didn't know what I was doing. The coach has run the race, so to speak, right? With a business coach, they've helped many people in, in all aspects of different businesses. They don't have to be a business coach only in property management. They can be a business because business is business. Right. And so I'm a big fan of when I was in a, like, when I was training, hired coaches. They got me where I needed to go to. By the way, you get there injury free. With a business, you get there with making less mistakes. Right. Right. So that means more money in your pocket because a mistake typically means money. So again, I'm a big fan. If, if you're not a fan of, of coaching, I highly recommend that at least you look at it in your personal life. Evidently, there are the many top CEOs out there have, I think the average is seven coaches from what I understand. Oh, wow. So the people who are at the top of their game, the people who are making a lot of money, they're investing back in themselves. And that's what coaching is. It's investing in you. It's investing in your business. And it allows you to get where you want to go to much quicker mm -hmm. and much more efficient. And of course, I'm sure Errol agrees with me since he is a coach. So that is my hot topic for the day. Remember, even though I'm the NARPM radio host, these are not the NARPM views and opinions. They're, they're my own. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these words, and we're going to talk to Mr. Errol Allen. Scaling your business means juggling many moving parts, leaving you wondering how to manage it all. How can you keep your eye on growth and streamline your operations? At RentBridge, we've created the Property Management Operating System, an ecosystem for property management marketing and process automation, where you can view and take action on the most important aspects of your operations, from sales and new owner onboarding to leasing, collections, renewals, and more. By bringing operations and marketing under one platform, you can have end-to-end -end visibility of your owners, tenants, and vendors from the first moment they interact with you, allowing you to add more doors with less effort and scale a truly profitable property management business. To learn more, visit rentbridgegroup.com today. Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S.com. Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance. PestShare, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program starting at just $5 per door. You can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations like bed bugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers. Welcome back, everybody. And so we're sitting here with Mr. Errol. Errol is in Houston, Texas, so he's come to my house. So if you're uh, watching this on YouTube, welcome, everybody. So, Errol, you've coached numerous businesses, including many property management companies. What's the number one reason why somebody contacts you? The number one reason I think that people contact me is because things are falling through the cracks, they're getting a lot of customer complaints. They're trying to figure out how can we be more efficient? How can we prevent customer complaints? How can we stop things from falling through the crack? I really don't, I think I thought I knew what was going on, but it seems as though I really don't. I found, so I'm, I'm going to go and use my experience on why we contacted you, right? With, with Empire, the big challenge we had was we didn't know what was happening in, inside our business. Mm -hmm. Nothing was documented. As we were growing, we didn't realize what the processes were. Mm -hmm. And in this industry, there's so many handoffs right. that go back and forth. And things were, as you say, falling through the cracks. Right. Owners were upset with us. Clients were upset. We were losing clients. And we were getting negative reviews. And so for all those reasons are why we contact you. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, in our business, we, there was two owners. It was me and Steve. Right. And we saw things so differently that when I wanted to solve it this way, one way, he wanted to solve it another way. 
And so I, I kind of make fun that you were a referee, but we needed somebody to mm-hmm. mediate mm-hmm. and speak. You know, I remember so many times you'd be like, well, Pete, what Steve is saying is this. Or Steve, what Pete is saying is right. this. So do you deal with a lot of partnerships at all? Or is it mainly sole proprietors? Not so many partnerships. Uh, it's mainly sole proprietors. I, I, I have dealt with a few partnerships where you have kind of the same situation like you and Steve. Uh, you have the sales-minded person versus the operations person. And there's that friction. And my thing is, okay, let's figure out what's the best thing to do uh, for the business versus salesperson. You want to do it one way because you're interested in revenue. Operations person's like, wait, 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 wait. Let's We got to figure out the, the logical way of doing things. So I just kind of sit in the middle and, okay, let's, what's the best thing to do here? Yeah, we, we had a joke at Empire. If it was just Steve's company, we'd have 5,000 doors and it'd be chaos right. everywhere. Right. If it was Pete's company, we'd have five doors and it'd be run perfect. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Errol, you've worked with a lot of companies and they call you for many different reasons. But what's the first thing that you do, or if I want to self-implement, mm-hmm. what's the first thing that I should do as a property management company? If I'm listening to this and say, man, we, we got we to gotta fix this. We, we got a lot of challenges. What's the first thing you come in and, and we do? Well, the first thing you want to do is what are your departments? What are the roles within the departments? What are the tasks for each role? You want to lay that out first, right? Because when you, when you lay out the tasks for each role, you're listing your processes, right? Now you want to ask yourself, what are we getting complaints about? Where, th- What things are falling through the cracks? Now you want to determine what processes are attached to the customer complaints. What processes are attached to things falling through the cracks? Because my thinking is if you start there, you get a bigger bang real quick, right? You can see some something being corrected that's going to impact your paying customer and your employees right away, right? So now you get quick buy-in for for doing the project. So the first thing would be to create some type of org chart? Mm -hmm. Create an org chart, a simple spreadsheet, however you want to do it. Okay. And in the org chart, I can have multiple boxes, and my name could be in a lot of those boxes. It could, shouldn't, but it could. Well, it depends on how big the company is. Because... Right, because sometimes you have people wearing multiple hats, right? Correct. And what I tell people, don't put a person's name in the box. Put the position in the box. Even though somebody's wearing multiple hats, just still list out the position, not the person. Got it. List out the position. And then from there, you then would create a job role mm-hmm. from from there. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully key performance indicators or measurables for that job role. Right. Okay. So now, so that's the first thing I do is, is I lay it out on how it looks today. Right. Okay. And then what you said, another thing that I thought was interesting is where are the customer complaints come from and what are the processes tied to those customer complaints? Right. So that is where you would start then. Right. So after I build the org chart, now I'm look, now I'm going to go a little bit deeper and I'm going to go look into where. So, for example, at Empire, maintenance was a big challenge. Mm-hmm. So we would focus on maintenance first. Right. Now, even though I know there's other challenges going on, I have to let those go. I can't work everything at once. That's right. Okay. What ha- now, what happens if I try to work everything at once? It's what have you be, seen? It's going to be chaos. Tell me how. Well, you, you, because you're not focused on one situation, one issue, you start trying to work everything, you're going to create more chaos because you, you're not going to finish anything. You, you're too busy trying to, you're going from this to this to this to this. There's no focus. You got to focus on one issue at a time. Okay. So you talked earlier about, Maybe somebody being a sales-oriented person versus a uh, operations-oriented person. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that the operations-oriented person really enjoys this process of going through, creating the org chart, and then looking at this particular process. Yep. So most business owners are going to be on the visionary side of, of things, Yep. not on the operational side of things. Yep. How do you get that visionary to buy into what you are, you know, not only maybe it's you and your consulting or just if you're going to implement, how do we get the visionary to buy into sitting down and going through these processes tediously? I asked the visionary, what is, 
the what would happen if you don't do this? What what what's going to happen to your business if you don't do this project? What would it mean? What would it cost you if you didn't sit down and go through this? And I let them answer because they can tell me, you know, right away. Well, we're already losing whatever, whatever. Well, we're gonna lose more. Okay, so you now you understand what it means. What's the value to your company in doing a project like this? Now it may not be good for that visionary, but there's usually somebody within the company that's operations minded. Okay. Do you find that when you work with clients that the visionary has to be involved at all, or do you just bring them in every so often, or do you work with them directly? What is it all across the board? Usually, and, 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 and you know this, I, I like to work with the people that do the job, right? When, 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 when we're uh, flow charting processes, I want the people that do the job. Now, I want the visionary, whoever the, the owner is, visionary, operations-minded person. Owner of the company, yeah. whatever. I want them to participate so they can see what's going on, but it's not necessary that they be there all the time. But okay. I, I do want them to, to participate so they can Because they're see. the ones stroking the check in, in your instance, right? Now... All right. So for example, so the first thing I do is if I'm a business owner, I'm going to create an org chart mm-hmm. of, of all the job roles, not people's names, job roles. Job roles, yes. Then I'm going to determine where the biggest challenges are coming from. Right. And then I'm going to focus on those processes. Right. Okay. So now I want to focus on this process. What, how do I go about that? How do I go about focusing on a process? All right. So now you want to ask yourself, who's, who's involved in this process? Who performs the work? in the process who's impacted by the process now i should know that because one of the org chart so i should know who's actually in part of the process right well not necessarily right because right. sometimes you're not thinking of across departments right because most processes cross departments you may know who who's working in the process but where's the handoff where's example you might know like okay this is the property accountant mm-hmm. right but you may not put two and two together the property accountant is actually uh, in, uh, uh, affected by a move-in process. Right. Right, because you're just thinking of the move-in coordinator potentially right. or right. the property manager right. whoever's doing all that. Right, because okay. things flow into and out of departments, right. right? So a lot of times you may not catch that because you don't think it all the way through. Right. Right, so let's just say I have a spe- specific process and I think I have everybody in. Mm-hmm. So now I'm bringing all the people in on the process. Right. Now what do I do? Now we want a flow chart. We want to, we want to determine a couple of things. What's the trigger? What starts the process? And what's the ending boundary? Because you, you, your processes have boundaries. You don't want them to go out, out the door around the block. Right. So what triggers it to start and where does it end? So we establish those things first. Right. And then we go from there when the trigger happens. And then what happens? I actually have a t-shirt now that says, and then what happens? And then what happens? And then what happens? Right. So, all right, so typically we, we determine, okay, here's this trigger. So that's the first box in the mm-hmm. flow chart. That's the first box. Now, before you, before you get everybody together, one of the things that I know that you do, I don't know if you still do it, do you sit down with each person that is, effect, that, that is going to be affected or has a portion of that process, and you sit down and you kind of go over with them for a day, what, what they actually do, or a couple hours, a day in the life of, the moving coordinator, day in the life of the maintenance coordinator, whatever it is? I, I don't do that as much as I used to because now we, you, you bring everybody together, right? Okay, so you you bypass that and you bring everybody together. Everybody together. Okay, yeah. so that, that makes things a lot quicker. A lot quicker, yes. Got it, okay. Yeah. So now so now I get everybody that we think is, is part of the process. Mm-hmm. And I know I've done this where I get halfway through the process, I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot the accounting people or I forgot the mm-hmm. move-out coordinator mm-hmm. or whatever it is, right? All right, so now, who holds the pen? Who holds the pen? Who holds the pen? Well, when we were dealing with Empire, you held the pen. Yeah, know? I'm a control freak, so <laughs> who, who's supposed to hold the pen? <laughs> um, in regards to the flow charting, is that what you mean? Correct, because the feeling that I have is mm-hmm. he who holds the pen mm-hmm. is kind of guiding it. Well, I hold the pen. Right? Then you hold the pen. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, if uh, if somebody, if you're, if we're gonna self implement mm-hmm. though, and I don't have Arrow, mm-hmm. then somebody who is the integrator, if you're into EOS or the operations yeah. minded guy, that's the one that person. We, yeah, you want them to hold the pen. You want them to hold the pen, right? Right. Because if the visionary holds the pen, no. no. Why? What happens if the visionary holds the pen? Well, the visionary is not gonna ask the right questions, right? 
Okay. They're not going to ask. But an operations-minded person, that's a logical thinking kind of person, right? So they're going to know to ask the right questions. They ask better questions than a, than a visionary. But first of all, the visionary can't sit still long yeah. enough. The, there'll be lots of colors, on the, mm-hmm. on, on, you know, uh, he'll draw lots of different colors mm-hmm. and it'll be pretty, mm-hmm. but it won't, he won't, won't mean a thing. It won't mean a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. So somebody who's super logical is going to hold the pen. I have everybody in there. I say, okay, what's the trigger, right? right? What happens here? Right. So let's just take, let's take maintenance as an example, as we run through this, through this example. All right. So. Were you going to uh, do a maintenance request? Maintenance request comes right. in and it could come in so many different ways. Right. Right. So maintenance request could come in through phone call. Right. Through email, right, and then through the portal. portal, right, right. Now, in my understanding, this is a great time to build policy too, right? Because a mm-hmm. lot of people don't have policies; they kind of, sort of, maybe have policies, mm-hmm. but they don't remember where they are. They're not documented, and they basically enforce the policy one way sometimes, and another way right. another time. Is, right. You run into that right. quite a bit. Yep. All right. So in this case, let's just say phone call comes in and. Somebody says, well, wait a second. We don't take phone calls. Right. And then somebody raised a hand and said, well, I've been taking phone calls for the last six months. Right. No. <laughs> so you, you should, your policy should be somebody calls in, tries to call in a maintenance request, you redirect them to the portal because that's what you want them to do. That's really what you want them to do is right. go through the portal. So if it, it, unless it's, you know, an elderly person, not computer literate so much, okay, you might just go ahead and take that one. But, but for the most part, you want to redirect them to the portal. Right, so the people who are actually taking these calls mm-hmm. need to know what the policy is. That's right. Right? Now, let me ask you this. I've heard of policy and procedures. They go kind of hand in hand, like, you know, peanut butter and ladies. Mm-hmm. Kidding. Peanut butter and, and uh, jelly, jelly, right? Yeah, yeah. Peanut butter and ladies. That's Stop. from Talladega Nights, by the way. <laughs> so for all you Talladega Night fans, I threw that in for you, okay? So should I have my policies as part of my process manual, or should I have a separate policy manual and a separate process manual? Where do you fall on the line of that? You probably should have your policy separate from your process manual, right? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I fall on the other side of that, just an FYI. Yeah. Because what I like is when I was, I became departmental. Mm-hmm. So I had a, ma- I had a maintenance process manual, mm-hmm. but in the very beginning of it, I had our, all of our policies for, for maintenance. And so it was part of like my, I had policies and then part of like the index or whatever it's called with table of contents. Okay. And my yeah, policies yeah, yeah. first. Yeah. And then I had the process okay. after. Okay. So I, I just like that, but I, I can see both sides. I can see a policy manual and then I, you just. I can see that way. Yeah. yeah. Either ways. Yeah. yeah. As long as you have documented, right. right? And as long as you train on them. That's right. Which that's, is, that's the main thing. Right. Is training. And we're going to get there in a second. Yeah. So. All right, so now I sit there, and now the team is saying, well, I do it this way or whatever, this way. Now, how do you feel about, like, the team, you know, letting you know, like, hey, this is the way I should do it, or this is the way I think we should do it, right? So you're getting into the, does the owner of the company just dictate, or does the team pour in, and then somebody makes a final decision? What happens there? Well, at the beginning, you want to establish, okay, we're going to do what's best for the company, the the paying customer and then property management that's your owner and your tenant right what's the best thing for for those two instances and then the company right so as long as you're meeting those things and and when you have those debates okay the question the question comes what's the best thing to do Mm -hmm. it's not what's the easiest thing maybe for the employee to do what's the best thing to do okay so so if we always go back to that, what's the best for a client and best for the company overall? Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes what's best for the client isn't what's best for the company. The best for the client is to take the call. Well. Right? I mean, in theory, because the client calls you and says, I got a maintenance, re- maintenance request. Now, we know why we do it mm-hmm. with the portal because mm-hmm. it's timestamp, date stamped, mm-hmm. and it gets tracked. Mm-hmm. But this, the customer doesn't see it that way. The customer sees like, wait, you're re- I have you on the line. Well, see, but if you educate your customer well up front and help them to understand the value of doing it through the portal, when you do it through the portal, you know, we, you get, we get, you get quicker response. We so the, so there, be, there becomes tasks while you do this, right? Mm-hmm. One of the tasks is to create the policy. Mm-hmm. Another task is to actually create internal marketing mm-hmm. to your clients, mm-hmm. right? Not, not pro- prospects, mm-hmm. but to your clients mm-hmm. on the marketing messages, right. right? That's way before the trigger. Right. Right. So how do we reduce 
the trigger of phone call. Right. How do right? How do we reduce the trigger right. of email? How do we right. increase the trigger? Because you want that to be a low percentage of the way things are right. starting. You want to be ninety five percent of this is how I want it done, and right. then five percent of the right. this is how uh, right. other you know this is how we don't want it done. Right. But we, we know people you can, can kind of live with that. Yeah. Okay. So now I have team members, and these team members are in they're they're in the crosshairs. So if a team member comes up and says, hey, I think we should do it this way. Tell me, like, as the owner of the company, how do I, how, one, if it's a great idea and we want to do it, I think that's great, we mm-hmm. do it. But, how, you know, but if it's not such a great idea, I guess my question is, how do we get the team to buy in on that they're helping but not discourage them when we don't want to do what, they, what they're asking or requesting? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, you, you just go back to what's best. Right. What's best for the client? What's best for the company? You, you go back to that. If you can always go back to that, then that eliminates somebody's feelings getting hurt. Uh, I don't want to submit any more ideas because you're just going to shoot me down. Right? You, you always have that talk. OK, uh, that's a good idea. But let's talk about it. is that the best thing to do? Got it. Because yeah. you always want them to be heard. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't want to discourage them because mm-hmm. you don't want them to shut it off. Right. Right. right, you don't want them to, to just okay. Well, he's going to do what he wants to do. Right, so you have to talk it through. That's right, right, and say okay. Here's the reason why it's a good idea, but we can't implement it at this time because of X, Y, and Z, or something right. like that. Right? right, all right. Do you find that most of the good ideas come from the team members? They they know all the tricks already. Yeah, they, they when you don't have things documented, you do. You just can't see it, right? Because they're doing things, right? It's right. in their head. And, and most people come to work to, to do a good job. Every once in a while, you get a knucklehead that wants to do what they want to do. But most people come to work to do a good job. So they already have the good ideas in their head. They're just waiting for somebody to ask them, really. That's what I said. Yeah. Okay. So as I'm going through this process flow, we, we're going to end up probably finding a lot of holes in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yep. Now, that means that things have to be done, right? Now, I'm already a team member that's overworked, overwhelmed, stressed out, and now I'm spending time, whether it's with you in, in EA Consulting or we're self-implementing mm-hmm. with, with the team mm-hmm. for one to three hours a day, mm-hmm. right? Maybe we're meeting. How often should we meet? Is it daily, weekly, a uh, couple days a week? should be weekly. If you're self-implementing, it should be weekly. should be at least weekly. Yeah. Okay. So we did that wrong at Empire. We're doing it every day. <laughs> well, we st- what did we start? It was a couple of times a week. Yeah, I think we started a couple of times a week, and yeah. then I think I started doing it like yeah, four times. Right, yeah. I, well, I was Well, you I got excited. Crazy. That's what it was. Uh, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> okay. So at least once a week, a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a couple hours. So now I have a bunch of tasks. Right. But my team is already overworked, overwhelmed, stressed out, and now I'm given, now I have to give them more tasks. So typically what that equals is pushback. Mm-hmm. How do I get, like, who should do the test? Like, for example, let's just say, I know at Empire, we're talking about maintenance here. So there was a task of creating a policy and then implementing the policy. There was a task of creating some reporting. A template, you remember the email yeah, templates. Some yeah, some email templates mm-hmm. had to be created. Mm-hmm. Now, who do you recommend should take those tasks and you know, make maybe like kind of project manage this project. So you got a project manager and then you got people that need to do the tasks. If, if you have, it depends on the resources available, right? Okay. If you have like a you that was, you know, when we, when, when you were at empire, somebody like you where you could take it on and, and do it. And a lot of people just to, you know, do their daily stuff without having to worry about that. Okay. You can do that. But if you don't have those resources available, then and some of the employees are going to have to do some of the tasks. And then what what I find out, they like it because they see themselves as participating in and contributing to it. And if there is pushback, I, I try to tell people, think long term, right? It may be a little tight right here, but if you do this and implement this, it's going to get better for the long term. So think long term. Right. Sell them, sell them on the vision of what it looks like mm-hmm. when it's all done. Mm-hmm. So if I'm meeting once a week, a couple hours a day, and I'm going through a process, how, how long typically will it take? Is this like a month project, a two-month project, 
for I'm just talking about one process. One process. So one process from end to end. We get everybody in there. We we have now we used to buy lunch for everybody and we right. would do ours from eleven to one. Right. So I highly recommend once you give somebody free food, they kinda like that. Now yeah. I know more and more companies are not meeting in the office mm-hmm. these days mm-hmm. and that they're virtual. Mm-hmm. Do you find it's harder to do it virtually? We used to have everybody in the conference room and then every all of our virtual team members on a Zoom call is right. the way we did it. Right. What are you What are you finding today on this? Zoom Zoom works. Zoom works because initially, because I had so many clients out of town, I was doing Zoom anyway before the before the pandemic hit. It works. Okay. You just have to have the right people in the room on the Zoom and stay focused. Okay. Yeah. So okay, so now we could do it over Zoom. Mm-hmm. I got whatever five six people on the Zoom call, mm-hmm. and we're meeting once a week. Now, how long is that? How long does a typical process take? And I know each process is a little bit different, yeah. but just give me a ballpark. Maybe a couple of weeks to get it flowed out. Yeah, a couple of weeks, get it flowed out, get it flowed out right. Yeah. Okay. That's it, huh? Yeah. Just depends on which one it is. You know, right. some some are more tasks, have more tasks, more steps. Process and lease application, that's a long one. Yeah. Okay, so now let's just say it takes two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not biting on the two weeks. I think it takes longer, but I'm going to, you're the pro. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I haven't done this in a long time. So we say, let's say two to three weeks. So within those two to three weeks, I get all my tasks done. I get the process flowed out. Mm-hmm. Now, what I found is that by actually going through the process with everybody, that was actually the training. Like I didn't have to come back and like retrain everybody because they were pouring into it and they right. were there right. and, and they were, they were kind of training. That's right. Okay. But now I have the process flow, but I don't have the process manual done. Nope. So now what do you recommend for a process manual, do I just do it in kind of a Google Doc? Do I should I have a process manual? What what what's, what happens there? Yeah, I think you should have a process manual, either the written document, it'd be a simple word document, or through video, right? You 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 have your process story right with the flowchart. You just go back to the flowchart to create your manual, right? You go back to the trigger. What triggers the process? Put in your verbiage. Put in screenshots because now you got to go in and you're in your software, okay? When you're doing this step right here, where are you in the software? You got to show the person exactly what they're doing because you're going to train. You're going to have some new people one day, right? So you need to be able to train them, right? and you need a a good tool. So the manual becomes a training tool. Now, how often should I go back and revisit that process? I would say at least once a year. At least once a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then make any kind of modification. Now, do I do that when I go back once a year? Am I doing the same thing I did, bringing everybody in, kind of just going through the process flow? Yep. Interesting. You okay. can simply ask, okay, is this is this working, or do we need to adjust something, right? And then just bring up the old flow chart, step through it. What what? And, and the people will start telling you we need to change this, this, or maybe something new has come out, software has come out that you right. can utilize to make the process even better. So, Got at least it. once a year. Okay, so now I create the, so step one, I create the flow chart, mm-hmm. I build all the job roles, mm-hmm. right? Step two, I decide what is causing the biggest angst inside the business. Right. Step three is I get everybody in a room and we process flow everything. Right. And then step four is I take that and we build a manual from right. it. That's right. right. Whether I build it inside of the process flow through links to videos or I build it with a Google Doc how, how will we build it? Whatever is most uh, digestible for for the team. Right. Okay. So now what's next after that? Do yep. I build key performance indicators off there of that? There you go. Yes. Now you determine how you're going to measure the performance of that process. Perfect. So I was, it's, like, it's like I did this before. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so how do I do that? So like, okay, does, does measurables come in before reporting or do I got to build the reporting? Because some, some reporting is not actually KPIs. It's just reporting. Mm-hmm. And then some of the stuff is actually KPIs. Mm-hmm. Right. So either one first, reporting first, then then KPIs, or do you build the metri- do you build the KPIs first, or does it really matter? Well, what should the number be for this for this for this process? What do we want the number to be, and then what report can we run to see how well this process is running? Right. So the KPIs just your number, right? It's a key performance indicator. What what's the goal? What do we want that number to be? Cycle time. In talking maintenance, right? So we get a maintenance request. When do we, how many days do we want that maintenance request to be open before somebody goes out 
resolves the issue if they need to go out, resolve the issue. What do we want that to be? Three days, five days. So now that would be your KPI, either three or five, right? Whichever okay. one you decide. And then you run your report and to see how well are we performing to that KPI. Okay. How many KPIs should each job role have, in your opinion? Ooh. You would, you would really have to look and see, look at the specific tasks for each role and determine, do we need to have a KPI for each one of these tasks, right? Okay. Some, sometimes we can go overboard with KPIs. No. So uh, that's where I was going with this. Yeah. So I was always taught one to three KPIs per job role. Hmm. If you have more than three, it's too many. That could be a little overwhelming. It yeah. could be overwhelming. And then the, the other thing is, if, if everything's important, nothing's important, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the other thing, too, is KPIs can change over time. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in maintenance, maybe I'm looking at the, the, day, the days it takes to go from a ticket comes in to getting assigned, mm-hmm. right? And maybe that's the KPI because maybe that's the biggest challenge we have in the company. See, I call that measuring in the gap, right? Versus when it's open and when it's closed. The one you just said, that's in the gap. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. And then so maybe, and, and then maybe that's really bad right now, right? Maybe that's the biggest challenge in our business mm-hmm. and it's 16 days. Mm-hmm. Well, we want it to be one day, mm-hmm. but I can't go from 16 days to one day in one week. That's, it, it's, it, you know, it's probably not possible, right? Right. So I've always been taught, like, you need to reduce that number. You got to get down to that one day mm-hmm. close to it, mm-hmm. right? But if I try to go 16 to one and I never hit the number, then the team gets discouraged. Or or you could leave it at one and ask yourself, what drives this number, right? What drives getting a ticket assigned, right? What, what happens? Uh, and then, again, assign and accept it, right? Because now you, the vendor needs to accept it too. So you can look at, okay, what are we doing that's preventing us from getting it assigned in one day, it it might change quicker than you than you think. Right? It's possible. Mm-hmm. I, I know, like, um, I'll go back to my experience. Mm-hmm. We one of the one of the metrics we looked at in maintenance was percentage of open work orders over fifteen yes. days mm-hmm. and over seven days. Mm-hmm. I think it was fifteen and seven. Mm-hmm. And we wanted the fifteen days to be seven percent, and the seven days to be fifteen percent, mm-hmm. because it's never going to be. You want it to be zero percent, but it's never going to be zero percent. There's just factors that there right. are some. Right. There's some, it's okay for something to be over 15 days in certain situations. Right. 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 And so what we found though, was like, we were at 40% originally. So we couldn't even get close to 15% the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we, we made our KPI 35%, then it was 30%, then mm-hmm. it was 20, you know, and so then over, over like a three, four, five week period, mm-hmm. we got down close to that 15%. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was the team murdered that and they got it down to like 5% or mm-hmm. something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so the, the KPI actually was exceeded and we, we actually, we thought the number was going to be 15% and we actually made it 7% or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what we did is if they exceeded the KPI, we used to give a small bonus right. Right. In, in an effort to, you know, right. to incentivize that. Another thing you have to be careful with is with KPIs is not getting stuck on that number. Measure your progress, right? Where are we relative to where we were a week ago, where we were a month ago? That keeps the morale up, right? Versus we still haven't reached our goal, okay? But are you on the way to reaching the goal, right? Correct. And Mm -hmm. that that's kind of what I what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Like you can't have that the the number be the number Mm -hmm. right away. You Mm got to work towards that that number in some, because again, we talked about what are we doing? We're looking at the cha- the biggest challenge in the business, right? Right. So the biggest challenge in business means you're not even close to the KPI. You're right. not close to where you right. want it to be. Right. 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 Now, the other thing that uh, I've always been taught is that the KPI, the, the, the KPI comes typically from the business owner or, or whoever owns the business mm-hmm. unit, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't come from the team, mm-hmm. right? So the owner uh, of that business unit says, okay, these are the, the three, measurables mm-hmm. indicators that we're going to look at mm-hmm. then this is the number we're trying to hit ultimately but these are the numbers kind of on the way down to the ultimate number mm-hmm. then the last thing is okay that team member has to be able to run a report rather quickly to be able to get the number so that they can put it on the key performance indicator sheet right so we used to have our own sheet so we didn't look at a report for the kpi we had a we had a sheet and then we had these it was conditional formatting 
And when they put the number in, based on what the what the formatting, like, so in our case, let's say it was supposed to be 15%. Mm-hmm. If the number ended up being 18%, it was red. If it ended up being 14%, mm. it was green. Okay. And so as the business owner, I can look to see if it's red or green. The challenge was being able to create a report that the team can look at rather quickly so that they can enter the number into the KPI sheet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? So for for us, what happened was we had these KPIs that we wanted, but we had no way to get the number. So if I, like, we just, the reporting wasn't there in mm-hmm. some cases, mm-hmm. right? By the way, Errol just looked at me like I was crazy for you guys <laughs> listening on, on podcast. He literally looked at me like I was nuts. Like, it's impossible to pull a KPI number and not have reporting. <laughs> so, so what I'm getting at, it, the moral of the story is you have to be able to get that number, mm-hmm. right? And so our job as business owners is if we really want a KPI that we want to look at mm-hmm. and we don't have a way to get that number, our job is to figure out a way to get that number. Yeah, because you got to have the data, right? Whether that's a report from your, whether you have to manipulate a report right. in, in your property management software right. or your property meld software or your whatever software, but the software literally has to figure out, the software has to have a way to report right. and you have to be able to, you know, within a few minutes, like sometimes I had reports that I would take and then I had to like you know, download them. And then I had to like run these crazy formulas and then, you know, like it just doesn't work. The team, the team's not going to do that. And you don't want to spend 30, 45 minutes, uh, you know, for every number. Right. Right. right? So they have to be, the numbers have to be easily obtainable. That's right. right? Meaning from a report standpoint. Right. Right. So when you, when you set your KPI, the next question is, the question is, how can we get this data? Correct. Yes. All right. So now I get the data. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now, I'm going to go back to this because we're running out of time here. So step one, I get the org chart. Get the org chart. Step two, I, uh, a- after I create the org chart, I'm, I'm looking to see what is the biggest challenge in the business. Right. Step three, I get everybody. I, I identify the process and I get everybody in a room. Right. Step four, we look at the trigger. Right. And we create policies. We create a process. And then we have tasks associated with what we're trying to accomplish. Right. Right. And that task could be automation. It could be building a report. It could be whatever it is. Right. right? And then from there, I'm building the reports that I'm that I need to to make sure that I'm uh, that everything is working right for this deal. Right. And then I am building key performance indicators and reporting behind that so I can get those KPIs. Right. Okay. Now the training takes care of itself because everybody who's involved because I'm not pushing this down right. Mm-hmm. It's not top down. They it's actually bottom up. It's participation. Right. Mm-hmm. So everybody who's involved is learning. Through this right now, who builds the process manual? Because we we, we kind of glance over that. We said we need one, but who should build it? Should it the team build it? Should there be a, a somebody who on the team is responsible for it, or should it be the owner of that business unit or the owner of the company? Wow, it's it's going to be whoever has the best skill for doing it, right? Who has the the mindset and the skill set to be able to build a manual, right? Could it be multiple people? Well, as long as well, then now you're looking at format. You want it. You want it all that looks the same way, right? So you got to make sure if it's multiple people, everybody's doing it the same way, right? So you it's, then it's best to have a template on 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 building the manual. Right? Okay, yeah, but but you need somebody with the right skill set, somebody with good writing skills, because remember, somebody's gonna have to use that one day, right? So you need somebody with good writing skills who can look at the flow chart and tell the story from the flow chart. Because that's what you're working from is the flow chart. Got it. Okay. Did I miss anything? No, sir. Well, I think so we got everything. We got everything. So oh, we got the KPIs. Um, review your numbers. Determine how often you're going to review your numbers. If that's going to be weekly. What do you recommend, I in, recommend most, in most cases? I recommend weekly. I, 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 why? I tell my clients to look at your numbers every week. Okay, Why? So that you can stay on top of it. You can see if it's moving, moving in the right direction. So I can make changes. Mm-hmm. Make adjustments. Mm-hmm. Make adjustments. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I look at it. So one, so, so then I look at it weekly. Mm-hmm. Now, let's just say I have one person that's in charge of the maintenance, whatever, my maintenance supervisor. All right. So now the maintenance supervisor might meet with his team weekly, but I would meet with the maintenance supervisor as the business owner, business leader mm-hmm. with the maintenance supervisor. Mm-hmm. And I meet with him weekly. Do you have an agenda that you that you uh, that you like to go over with with these people like do you have an agenda that you say hey this is what I recommend at all when you meet with these folks weekly I would I would I don't have an agenda but here's what I recommend 
from my clients. Okay, determine what the agenda is going to be. What are we going to talk about so that they can be ready? Right. right. They they know what you're going to talk about. You, we gonna what, whatever numbers you're going to talk about. Okay, we it's the same every week. Okay, I like that. So I'm going to have an agenda here that that I'm going to throw your way. You tell me if you like it or not. All right. So my agenda I built was it's like a 30 minute meeting. Mm-hmm. So I don't want anything more than 30 see, minutes. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing we talk about is five minutes, and I got a lot of this from EOS. So if mm-hmm. you guys are a big mm-hmm. into traction mm-hmm. EOS, you're mm-hmm. gonna a lot of this is very similar. Mm-hmm. But the first thing is like give me a feel good. Right, I feel good about your life or about about the mm-hmm. about the job. What's mm-hmm. what's what's you know? Let's start the meeting on a good note, mm-hmm. right? Then the second thing is, let's look at the scorecard, right? Right. If it's red, then then the question that's asked is not why is it red. The question is asked is what can we do to improve the number, right? Right. And uh, what it took me a while to figure this out because when you say why is it red. What happens is that person becomes defensive. Mm-hmm. Put them on the spot. Mm-hmm. You put it back against the wall and they mm-hmm. get blame, excuse, and denial. Mm-hmm. When you say, what can we do? Mm-hmm. Now they're thinking about solutions. Mm-hmm. Ownership, accountability, responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big aha for me. Like, and, and I still have a hard time. I'll be like, why, why are we not our number? I'm like, what can we do to solve, like, to solve this? Or what can mm-hmm. we do to bring this mm-hmm. number to, to you know, increase the number or decrease number, whatever mm-hmm. you're looking for? And then the next thing that I come up with is what challenges are you currently having? And I get the challenges. And then the next question after that is what can I do to make your job easier? Mm-hmm. There you go. And then the final thing I go through is what is your stress level on a zero to 10? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was interesting to me because if somebody has a 10, a 10, a 10, a 10, what does that tell you? Something needs to change for them. Right? If they have tens in a row, three, yeah. four tens in a row, and yeah. their stress level is a 10 plus, yeah. typically that's telling me that they're going to leave, mm-hmm. right? Or they're not the right person in the right seat, mm-hmm. right? Or we're asking them to do too much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Because yeah. the KPIs might be green, but they might be stressed out because, again, remember, there's only three or four KPIs we're looking at at a certain time, right? right? One to three, actually. Right. And, but they might be responsible for eight things. Right. But these are the three that we're looking at. Right. And that doesn't mean we can't change it. And every quarter we can change it or every year, however you want to do it, right? Because once these numbers get hit all the time, now you kind of, quote, unquote, solve the problem. You can move it out. But that doesn't mean that their job ends with those three KPIs. Right. Right? Those are just the three most important things that, we're looking at right right so if if they have a, a stress level of 10 over multiple weeks all right maybe this maybe there's something outside of the office and that's okay mm-hmm. and we we want to make sure that you know we know about that mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. can either give them some help or we understand right or they're just there's too many phone calls coming in there's too much there's just it's like it's like water the right like the work is like water it just keeps coming right and and maybe it's just too much Right. Right. So then you have a you have a separate meeting with that person. Hey, you you had three tens, you know, three weeks in a row. What's driving that? Right. Okay. So you get to the root cause of that. Mm-hmm. What's driving that? Just let them talk. Excellent. Now, all right, Errol, we're going to take a quick commercial break here. So get a word from our sponsors, and then we're going to come back for the. And now it's time for the lightning round (laughs) all right we'll be right back everybody for the lightning round have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant but didn't know where to start or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants if so vpm solutions is here to help VPM is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate. We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistants for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part, VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. No placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. Create the best move-in experience for your resident or homeowner. 
Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, we create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit pmcpartner.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. So, all right, Errol, you ready for the lightning round? I guess I better be. I'm going to be better. Be better. Let's see. All right. Do you recommend virtual assistance to your clients? Yes. I do, okay. What is one piece of advice you'd give someone just starting out in the PM business? John Narpham. Does pineapple belong on pizza? No. <laughs> what book are you currently reading, or what is one that has impacted your life? I'm currently reading, still reading Atomic Habits, but probably the book that's impacted my life was from like 25, 30 years ago, Pete. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey? Covey? Yeah. Dr. Covey? Yeah. Okay. What Disney character do you most associate with? Oh, man. Donald Duck. Oh, nice. (laughs) What is one challenge you're currently facing in your business? Ooh. Deciding whether I want to create another me. Yeah, duplication. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Prefer dogs or cats? Please say cats and my dog barking in the background. Dogs. 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 Errol, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, go to my website, errolallenconsulting.com, or email me, errol at errolallenconsulting.com, or just simply call me at 281-467-9189. 281-467-9189? Right. Awesome. If you want to join NARPM, go to NARPM, N-A-R-P-M dot O-R-G, or give them a call at 800-782-3452. My name is Pete Newbig, and co-founder of VPM Solutions. If you are looking for a virtual team member, go to vpmsolutions.com. That's vpmsolutions.com. Or you can call me directly at 832-656-3740. Email is pete at vpmsolutions.com. All right, everybody. Thanks, Errol, for being here. I appreciate you you in studio, (laughs) which just means my my fifth bedroom here, whatever that is. (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. This has been a production of the National Association of Residential Property Managers, the recognized leader in property management, along with your host, Pete Newbig, CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org.